You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Alrighty, welcome back to the Stateside Podcast. This one is a very special episode. You guys all know him. I manage the guy. He's a real cutie pie. He's one of my best buds. Welcome to the show for the second time, Jay Moss. What's up? Thanks, Thanks for having me, James. Appreciate it. You look pretty good. You're looking good, buddy. Oh, thanks. Thanks. You know, I'm real fussy with my diet and shit, so. What is this tattoo right here? It almost looks like a horseshoe. I always forget what that is. Basically, all my tattoos have meaning. I'm not one of those. So this one was an anniversary gift from my wife. And it's in reference to a song by the band Mineral, who we had the um, we had a, a beautiful girl, Jennifer Buxton from Australia. We got married in Australia. Play our wedding. And she played while Jesse walked down the aisle. Mm. And she played a Mineral song. So oh, cool. the whole, yeah, so the whole thing is like, she was like, we're going to go get tattoos for our anniversary, and you can't look, and I'm not telling you what you're getting. So then when I looked, oh, and then the fucking, okay, you ready to get real, like, sap-ass? Let's do it. So this this magnet, there's a, for all the viewers, of which there are none, all the listeners, there's a magnet above on this mineral tattoo. And when we first met, we were like, I think we're still sort of obsessed with each other seven years later, which I think is cool. But, like, um, we said that we felt like we were, like, rare magnets. You know, it was like, you just, like... We just felt like this weird, I guess, magnetism that we didn't find ever before we met each other. And we met each other in like these crazy tumultuous like times. And that was like this thing that just like held us together. So that was sort of our thing early on was like rare magnets. And then so she, um, yeah, so I, I looked over at my arm and uh, there it was. I had a magnet with a, a mineral song name under it and it all added up and it was a very sweet gesture from my dear wife. Oh, that is adorable. What a what a sweet Thank story. You. Yeah, you guys are great, man. I mean, I you know, you and I have talked about this privately before. How how unbelievably lucky we both are that we have mm-hmm. partners in crime, life partners. You know, a lot of people Yeah, totally. I mean, a lot of people have a string of luck where they date someone for a couple of years or they even get married, but to have someone that I don't know, it's like I I Ashley is my best friend, but I don't really like saying that because that's it's kind of lame. Like, my I don't know if your wife should be your best friend. Like, you should have best friends. It should be two different things. But the but the yeah, truth I is, they that. they are they are our everyday people. They're our ride or die, and we're just, totally. we're just so lucky. Yeah, I don't have any best friends that like if a gu- there's no I don't have any best friends if a gun was put to my head and it was like all right it's Jesse or your best friend. Like I'll be like, hey, sorry, sorry, Andy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Fuck, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know how it is. Yeah. Um. So, but yeah, I mean, I mean, the relationship with like a best friend, romantic partner, 
is dope, but it's deeper. It's different. It's like my best friends and I like will get up to wild shit and like go have fun, do whatever. But you know, like it, we're not we're not watching British Bake Off together and canoodling, right? Much no, yeah, <laughs> no. And, and you know, it's funny. It's like when you first start dating someone, you only show them sort of the the revised coolest version of yourself, and they're doing the same. Sure. And over time, mm-hmm. those barriers start to fall because there's no, it's not sustainable. You have to let them know who, who you really are eventually. And the, I remember, I remember very clearly knowing that Ashley was likely the person I wanted to marry was that I could hang out with her on like a Tuesday at 1 p.m. Yeah. You know, middle of the day on a boring ass weekday. And she was just as great. James, I haven't been on the podcast and it's been a couple of years, right? In fact, it has been a couple of years, Jay. And when you did the show, A, I still had a co-host, Alan Ashcraft, our shared yeah. friend. And yeah. it was prior to me managing you. I know. Well, I was going to say, I didn't know since the last time I did the, because when last time we did the podcast, it was about like music and, but this is not, it's a romance podcast now, apparently. It, yes, it is. Where we just talk about love. That's it, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Welcome to the love show, guys. <laughs> write in your questions and we'll answer them on air absolutely absolutely like love line got any callers yeah yeah exactly love line was sick i love love line (laughs) it's so funny that like dr drew and adam carolla are the same guys you look at them now and hear them now and they're still doing stuff together they still do a podcast together yeah i know which is nuts but like it's weird that those are the same people from the mid to late 90s when we were listening to Loveline on the radio. Dude, on the radio. Crazy. For sure. And I don't know. It must have been syndicated everywhere. I have no idea. But when I was listening to Loveline on the radio, because you're in Portland, Oregon, I'm originally from Seattle, Washington. So I would spend all my summers in Seattle. And dude, just listening to the radio, man, I would listen to Loveline. Yep. Like addicted to it. To- totally. And, and it was one of the first, well, it was one of the first like media sources I can think of that covered those topics. Yep. No one did that. You know, like, I guess friends and, like, MTV would talk about sex. And there was, like, nah, but not like but that, dude, man. Like, some guy, some, like, heartbroken guy or gal legitimately, like, calling in, like, anonymously, hey, we've got Ginger from Olympia, yeah. right? And, like, uh, anonymously, like, calling in and just being, like, I'm having this issue and I'm really upset. It was so fucking candid. It was, like, yeah. I mean, dude, I, I want it back. Straight up. Totally. No, no kidding. Yeah. I mean, they, they like I said, they do a podcast together and every once in a while they answer people's questions or they are they rather they have callers. They have people call in. Um, but it's just different. And like, they're kind of like almost political now. You know, Adam Kroll is super yeah, conservative and like they, they can't help <laughs> yeah, yeah. but go there. And it's just a different thing. But yeah, that was a, that was a wild time. And I, I often think about that. And I kind of want to pivot this into the current state of what we do and which is the music industry and how it this is a common theme on this show i talk about it all the time with every guest because i'm curious everyone's take on it and that's the you know the state of the union like what of the in your opinion what are the state of the industry to kind of parallel with the the conversation about love line and, and radio back then there were way more gatekeepers and barriers to entry yeah yeah right definitely. And, Totally. If you want to do a talk show, what I'm doing right now, I had to have right. paid my dues on some radio station, work my way up, get a time slot mm-hmm. that anyone ever listened. Hopefully I get a, a station where people actually listened. Yeah. And that's what people like that did. And that, then a thing called the internet came along and it 
it did both to me. It it ruined everything, and it made everything right. better at the same time. And I, I'm curious yeah. what you think about it because it you know for the for the listeners, there's a reason I bring up this topic all the time because I I'm trying to I'm trying to accumulate everyone's answers and and hopefully we can get some average out of all of it. Yeah. Okay. So I think that could be wrong, but I think we're entering an era. We'll take movies. Like I just watched the new Top Gun, which like, do I recognize that the new Top Gun movie is effectively just Star Wars, A New Hope with Tom Cruise and the Navy? I I do. Can you explain what you mean by that? Because I know what you're saying. Oh my god, dude! They like have to like go. They they have to like fly through this canyon, which is the Death Star for sure. Yep. And they have to do this tricky maneuver, and then they have to fire fucking missiles literally into a like a grate. Yes, j- like and blow up essentially the Death it, Star. It's very parallel and, to A New Hope. It's also in in the way that like J.J. Abrams when he redid the Star Wars movies, he made them great again. The Force Awakens sure. was was heavily criticized in in some way. It was also loved, and I think J.J. Abrams he couldn't win either way. But what he did was he made basically the old movies that we all grew up with. Yeah, and he just made them newer. And I think Top Gun yeah. did the same. They just made Top Gun again. It's the same story. <laughs> Dude, it's literally they, the same story. They very literally just made Top Gun again. They just made Top Gun again. I'm telling you, I lapped up every moment. Oh, dude, I've I, I've seen it twice. I loved it. Shapiro went and saw it four <laughs> times in a row. Like, <laughs> of course, he's obsessed it's like with fr- it. It's freedom and airplanes. Of course, he did. freedom and airplanes. <laughs> you can count two American flags on this on this background right here. I see. That. I'm an American yeah. boy. I was born on the Fourth of July. I'm proud to be American. That doesn't mean I love everything about yeah. America, but yeah, no. And, and I think Top Gun um, was refreshing in that way. That like it wasn't like pro America, but it wasn't anti America. And it was a fun story. Yeah. People could check out, be entertained. Anyway, yeah, Top Gun. You were talking about Top Gun and the barriers to entry. Yeah, so anyway, unless you are, I'd say it's at least trending in this direction. Unless you're like a pre- previously established megastar or something like that. Like you're, like you're the Tom Cruise of like, you know, you're a fucking Elton John. Yeah. You're, you know, you're it's something to that level. It's like, you know, okay, fine. Right. But what I think we're seeing is we're seeing like a sort of like socialized democracy democratization i can't say that word anyway um yes of like yeah of so much stuff so we saw it like obviously like the the easy one to see it with is like with youtube right mm-hmm. okay cool like like there's people like all like grade schoolers like 75 percent of grade schoolers want to grow up and be youtube stars right and there's all kinds of youtube stars that most people have never heard of that have this huge, very, very dedicated audience. And so that is possible now and that is no longer gate kept, um, which is cool because like really you're just like a kid with a phone and an idea and some ambition yeah. and hopefully some follow through. And the next thing you know, you're onto something and you, you've got you've got something going on. I, I think that's awesome. The, the people in that that are going to break out and be like Tom Cruise level, if you will, may not even happen or just be very, very rare. But I think what we're going to see, right? Actually, actually, what we're already seeing is we're seeing pockets that are absolutely big enough to like make you famous in some corner of some part of the subculture or mainstream culture, right? And with certain demographics, but like, and it's, it's like way more than enough people to like, you know, still give you a wild, like weird, like Lamborghini lifestyle, if that's what you want or something like that. But it's like, there's just these, it's just being, 
I don't know. It's just more accessible, so there's more of them. Yeah. I don't know that they'll reach the same heights because it's not like there's a singular channel anymore. It's like, you know, I know we'll probably talk about Aria at some point, but it's like when we were doing that these deals with Aria, it was like, bro, like, you know, half the conversation was like, do we even want a record deal? And why do we want one? Because like Aria's distribution channels are phenomenal on their own, right? So it's like we don't really need them for distribution. You know what I mean? So it was like interesting the way when I even like I came right at the tail end of like CDs and stuff kind of mattering like physical media sort of mattering and so like we kind of knew like why we wanted a record label right like there was a studio advance there was the pressing and there was the whatever but it's like you know like homie can go in his car and film something cute on his phone and 10 million people engage with it like that's crazy you know like there was no way to do that before so I think we're still going to see the cream sort of rise to the top and more people will be able to do it. I guess, though, for those who are dependent on like the old school channels, they'll probably be bummed. And I will say this, when the barrier of entry decreases, the amount of applicants increases. Mm -hmm. So you get like this stew and most of it can exist on Spotify, on iTunes, wherever, or if it's on Netflix or on YouTube or on TikTok or whatever, it can exist there. Most of it's really bad. And, but like, uh, they get a chance, <laughs> you know what I mean? So the competition's probably stiffer because there's more, but I would say you at least have a better shot at carving out something that's yours and is meaningful to you and some level of a group of people. That's right. I don't know. I, I often wonder... <laughs> like, let, let me back up. When when I was younger, I remember thinking of bands as like actual stars, you know? Sure. Even if it was a little past my time, say a band like Nirvana, you didn't, I mean, there was press about them, a lot of press, but a different sort of press. And let's keep rewinding. Let's let's take my parents' generation, you know, like Led Zeppelin and The Who and shit like that. You almost mm -hmm. never saw those people. And if you keep going right. back, like I just saw the new movie about Elvis, and they they go over this, how you have to put it into perspective that Elvis, the reason girls were passing out at shows and flipping, like literally going crazy. Yeah. There's actual interviews of Elvis and Paul McCartney from the Beatles talking about this era of touring from like the 50s through the end of the 60s, where the shows, this is kind of disgusting, the shows smell like urine. Because all the uh. girls were pissing themselves. They were so flabbergasted by the sight of these people. And here's why. It's not because people in the 50s and 60s were dumber. It's because they had less exposure. Yeah, right. They, they had never... For one, they never saw someone be provocative on stage. Before that, it was like guys in fucking sweaters and suits singing mm -hmm. a song, yeah. a folk song that your parents could hear. And then as far as the gatekeepers and media, there were so many more gate gatekeepers back then. And there was such a narrow channel in which to get your message to the people. So you never even, you never saw those bands. El, no, right. Led Zeppelin would take stage and they look like actual gods. Because you never, you didn't see them on Twitter a thousand times a day. They didn't have a YouTube yep. channel, a podcast, a TikTok account, Instagram. No. Mm -hmm. You were lucky if you caught them in the one Rolling Stone article per three years. That, that, that little bit of a sliver of a picture on their record. That was it. So when they took the stage, it was something to be seen. And I, I yeah, I agree with that. So for me, like I don't know. I think we've lost a bit of that. There's a bit of the mystique. Yeah, 
we've we've definitely lost a lot of mystique. I think we've replaced already cutting. I think we've replaced mystique with parasocial relationships. So mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. what you have instead of mystique is now you have relatability. Yeah. And maybe that will wane in time and maybe mystique comes back. But right now I think like, you know, like being a YouTuber right now is like for as far as like your demographic of music buyer and stuff like that, like, like being a YouTuber is like a very, very like cool and popular thing to be. And I think it's those parasocial relationships that um, when you finally go see your YouTuber, maybe he's also a musician or maybe he's just doing a meet and greet or whatever like this. Like you really feel like you fucking know this person. Yes. I can only imagine how strange strange it is for the influencer or whatever you want to call it who's like just meeting people who are like I feel like I know you know everything yeah yeah like I know everything about you I've heard and you talk like, for and hours I, and yeah yeah like how's your cat is your cat okay I know your cat with but see <laughs> I think that's interesting because now to your point the relatability the access to people now you can just hop on Instagram and DM your favorite artist yeah they're probably not going to yep. respond but you can do that but you can yeah right. now I think what that does is a few things. It makes it, like you said, less mystique, right? And it and it mm-hmm. opens young people's eyes to like, well, maybe I can be the next Drake. I, maybe I can be the next X. Sure. And they can, in theory. But I think what's going to happen is the mystique will come back in different ways, and you're seeing it now, that because so many people, so many kids want to be YouTube stars, they're trying it. You see it all the time. Mm-hmm. Every kid's got a TikTok account. Everyone's giving it a crack. Everyone's got a fucking podcast, this guy included. Everyone's <laughs> yeah. doing that thing. And I think what makes it cool, and you're going to get the mystique back, is that now the average folk, the av- the average suburban person, is is really realizing how hard this is and how difficult it is to actually make it work and to make a dollar off yeah. it and, ha- and to build an audience. Yeah, no, it's, it's totally crazy. You know? I think when you look at like... The biggest I I'm I oddly keep up with some like YouTube dudes that are <laughs> well let's just say not aimed at my demographic as a 41 year old man sure me too, <laughs> me too. still like Mr. Beast and like Ryan Trahan and stuff and like yeah those dudes are like in their 20s and like but I'm just so like interested in it and like Ryan Trahan just did this thing where he went all the way across if you don't know this you should watch it's fucking amazing he takes a penny that and he's with the penny he has to get from LA or Venice wherever he starts all the way to Mr. Beast to deliver him a penny and he has to use the penny to barter right. his entire way there and there's like all this cool stuff that, I love that. goes along with it but yeah I, so I was watching like some sort of like after everything and people talking about like Mr. Beast and Ryan Trahan talking about like, okay, so like what what amount of this do you think is like luck and what amount of this do you think is skill? Now they're in a position obviously to say that it's skill, but I kind of believe them that like every successful person that I've seen on social media platforms treats it like pretty seriously. Mm. Like if they actually do well and they're like, it's 99-ish percent skill for sure, because they put a lot of thought into like every little aspect of it. It's a massive gamble because it would terrify me because you're just going up against like this sort of unknown algorithm that you're trying to sort of like decode and you're looking for like, why'd this one do well? And why didn't this one do well? And and you're like, you're like trying to like decode this like crazy thing that is like, you talk about gatecap. Totally. The algorithm is like, yeah, it's like, how the fuck are you going to figure that out? But people do. And they do. But I think it's also forcing, and this is good and bad. It depends on how you look at it. I think it's just the reality. It's forcing artists and creatives to be more than just that. It's making yep, I agree. A, a YouTube guy who would have in the past maybe just hosted some show 
uh, like a network broadcast thing on television. Sure. Well, now he's having to worry about the algorithm. He's having to. Oh, for sure. What does it take? Because now he's he owns a production team. He's got to have camera operators, mm-hmm. sound designers, people to edit all that footage and mix it and and then put it out. He's learning how to be a distributor. He's learning how to be a marketer. All of that is not for everyone. And so again, the gates are wide open now, more open than they've ever been. But because they're so open, you have to learn how to do everything, mm-hmm. which again, and it just keeps just coming full circle. This is why having a team is helpful. This is why Aria decided yeah. to sign with someone. This is why right. I, as a company owner, a, a business owner, decided to partner with people larger than just myself because I wanted a team. I wanted coworkers. I wanted peers. Mm-hmm. And now I have mentors that I, I I consider friends and business partners because I took that leap of faith. I didn't technically need them. We don't need anyone. You don't need me. I don't need you. That's the whole <laughs> that's the whole point. That's true. Right? Yeah. You're gonna be yeah. just fine without me. And that's yeah. the point. That is actually the point. It's like you don't have to do anything with anyone but we choose to anyway. And I find that very interesting. Me too. And it's a microcosm of like how civilizations developed in the first place, right? Yeah. We realized that, okay, you go fucking into the woods yeah. and you gather berries or kill a boar and then you come back and you clean it and then you got to build the shelter and you got to cook it. And then the people figure out pretty quickly, it was like, hey, you're like really good at the like getting the pig part. Yeah. Like you go do that. All right. When you get that pig back, you fucking put your feet up, right? I'm gonna clean the shit out of that pig. By the way, while you were away, I fucking I'm cleaning the clothes, I'm raising the kids, I'm building some shit. Yeah. Right. And you know what? And everyone's happy because like guy who goes get the pig, he's doing what he loves. He's fucking barbarian, whatever the fuck that is. And he goes and he's like, it's it's very simple to him. Person who does not want who needs to eat pig, but does not really want to go kill or hunt pig, is so hyped to just be like, no, 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 I'll clean the thing. I'm gonna chill. Totally. That's what I do. Yeah, exactly. I'm not good at it. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. No, it's God, it's so true. Yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, so I mean, like you know, like when I decided to partner with you, like I, you know, as we know, like I, well, as you know, anyway, like I am a part of a few different businesses, and I, all of my businesses have partners, right? So, like I do, ironically, I do a really similar role in all of my businesses because it's what I'm good at. But what makes those businesses different is that I, it's. Hmm, it's fucking Voltron, man. It's like you put two together, right? And this one's good at this, and this one's good at this, and they're compatible-ish. They make a better Voltron that is stronger than both Voltrons yes. on the road. Yes. And then like, yeah, and then so like if I Voltron, this is the dumbest metaphor, but if I Voltron with fucking <laughs> like people who are like, you know, like uh, some of my partners like used to work for Google and they're like SEO maniacs and like speaking of like getting through the algorithm, right? All that stuff, like when I Voltron with them, they have that's different things they they're know. looking for from me. So yeah. yeah, that's what they know. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, so, I think society, we have this mistake as humans. I especially see it lately where people think we have arrived. We are the chosen right, right. ones, you see? We're the smart ones. The people behind us are stupid, ugly, dumb, racist ancestors. They didn't know anything. And the truth is, that's just not the case. It was just a different time. And it's it's like anytime people want to tear it all down. So say you have like an anarchist friend that all they want is... Oh, I do. And so do I. (laughs) So do I. We both do. People say outrageous things like, uh, we don't need police departments at all. Maybe if you're listening, maybe you're one of those people. I disagree with you, but I'm sure there are. 
And I think yeah. here's here's what I find ironic about that. I actually had a conversation with a friend of mine about this. They they were like a defund the police type of conversation, and they, they were saying, "Well, I just think that like." we as people can be smarter than this and we can figure out a better version where like, you know, we just have uh, designated people in society to like respond to calls and do that. And the more he talked about it, the more he just described what we have now. Sure. <laughs> if, yeah. if you and I were to start over in the woods, is it just two people and we had a hatchet? It's like, we're just going to do the same thing. You just described it. This is how, civilizations are built every time from a to z you start with shelter and then you need like some sanitation then you need the guy to like pick Mm -hmm. up the shit and you need someone Mm -hmm. to pave the roads and like someone's got to build the houses and and then and then people keep getting robbed and you're like well let's have like a guy to just be like the guy that walks (laughs) around well i don't know we'll call him like the sheriff or something and then they're like well the homes keep burning down so let's get like a group of people to put out the fires let's call it like the fire department and it just yeah. goes round and round and round. And so does the music I industry. Agree. So does the entertainment industry. We have not arrived. We're not better than our ancestors. We're not better than the 90s label system. That's my point. It's like, it's all the same. Yeah. We're all doing the same thing. And inevitably, we will all go back to what we all instinctually need from one another. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's like, I don't know. I think it's kind of silly to think. I think about this about a lot of things. We've kind of mentioned my diet, like on the front end of this podcast. But I just think it's like silly to think that like post-industrial revolution us can like outsmart weird things yeah. like evolution and biology. Yeah. You know. So it's like, like it's wild. It's like, yeah. No, I get it. Like we've got phones and stuff, and that's cool. And like like our rate of communication has increased. But I would argue that maybe like the efficacy of our communication has decreased. Yes. And that probably there's a lot of hardwiring in there that like. A TikTok account isn't going to undo, and uh, yeah, hang on, maybe I'm just old, but yeah. No, I, I do, I, I, I 100% agree, and I don't know. I mean, that's not to say that we aren't better in some ways. I think we are, and I think this is my point: is is it? It's I believe in duality all the time. There is no black or white; it's all gray. And I think as much as I said our ancestors aren't dumb and and bigoted and racist or whatever, they also are dumb and racist and bigoted. That's the point. Mm-hmm. It's all it's all of the things. If we think we have arrived and we're better, maybe we are, but we are also going to appall our children and our children's children. We're doing things now that we don't even realize we're doing. I would agree with that entirely, yes. So to bring it back to more of our industry talk, and most of the audience is you know involved in the music industry in some capacity. Either they play in a band, they're a producer or an engineer, they're on my side of the fence, they, they manage or they work at a label, whatever, whatever. You are you are a unique producer in many ways. And one of the things that sort of sets you apart from my from my opinion is your willingness to work with all types of genres for one. But you also mm-hmm. you tend to be a serial entrepreneur. And it's something that I yes. I knew about you the first time we spoke. You love producing, mixing, mastering. It's it's your bread and butter. It's it's the lineage you 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 know, grew up touring in bands. You spent all that time in the theater. You've been around the planet many times touring. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, can you kind of elaborate on that? Why that happened? And is that <laughs> do you, like, I, is that something that you even can control? Or do you just find that 
that's just who you are. I can't control it. TLDR. No, I don't think I can. I think I am wired this way. I think it's always scared the shit out of my mom, who is like, like a, you know, my mom was VP at Fidelity Investments for a really long time. She's retired now. And she was a company lady. She was super good at school. I was super shitty at school. Um, and so she went through... I don't know. I think we have to look at our lives and at some point we have to make a decision. And there's no, I had, dude, I had roommates, like punk roommates at my old punk house in my twenties who have taken a different path than myself. I think most people kind of have, which is like, you have to do the quick math and it's, what are you more scared of? Like, are you more scared of all of the uncertainty of like trying to like build your own fucking thing and build this stuff and not know and be judged and like all of the things that go along with that. And you just don't get to know how much money you're going to make when the next where the next dollar is coming from you don't get to know yeah and like but like so alternatively you go find a job that you hopefully don't hate and maybe even like now some people are really motivated by this concept of like security where it's you go i'm gonna go do a thing and i'm like okay there and there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. No, no. Oh, my God. I'm, like, almost jealous. Totally. Right? Like, like, you go and, like, you go do a thing, and then you have checked out of every last problem from your work before you leave the parking yeah. lot. You were in your car. You put your podcast on. Or the weekend, baby. You're done. You're right. Dude, you walk out that door, and you just go, ha! Ah. And then every worry is in that building and you don't gotta worry about it till you get back in that building and you might not even really give a shit then right right like so like i completely understand that i am of the persuasion where i am more terrified of to me that is a waste of time and i i don't mean to offend anyone of whom that is not a waste of time for but i just have to do my own thing because i'll get like hell i don't get depressed in general but if i did that i would get depressed and i think I just had this conversation with, for people who know American Nightmare, Alex Garcia Rivera is a drummer, he's an engineer, he's a fantastic dude. We were on the phone yesterday and we, we were just having this exact conversation. And he was like, he was on vacation, Alex, I'm sorry I'm calling you out about your family vacation right now, I don't fucking care, let's do this. And like, like Alex is on family vacation and he's like, he's like, is it okay to say that I'm like pretty bored, like I'm kind of miserable? Because he's like, we do every day, like we do what we, like our favorite thing, that's what we do and we found a way to monetize our favorite thing. So like, when I go on vacation, I'm just kind of spinning my wheels, I'm trying to be present in the moment, but I'm just so hyper-focused on these things that I'm passionate about, that I want to build, that I want to make succeed, that just like give me a sense of purpose. And I'm very big into like, I wouldn't know how to exist without very distinct senses of purpose. So fatherhood has now taken number one, Jesus Christ, if you have a kid, please make it take number one, right? Like, like we need more good parents, but like, like fatherhood is my number one. So nothing interrupts that. And there's a very simple reason for that. I don't have anything else in my life that gives me a better sense of purpose than being a good dad. That's number one, right under that good dad, husband, family. That's my sense of purpose. That's my deathbed stuff, whatever. The records that I make are up there. My companies that I run are up there too, but that's it. But I know what's gonna happen, right? My kid is gonna be like his mom and I. He's gonna be a wild, you know what? And he's gonna go do his thing. He'll probably be some sort of artist. Maybe not, maybe he'll be an accountant, I don't know. But like, he's gonna go out and sooner or later, he's gonna have to go spread his wings. (laughs) <laughs> which is going to make me so proud. But at the same time, I'm also going to be like, yeah, I see you were my sense of purpose. Yes, <laughs> right. right. So, <laughs> so I saw, dude, I've seen it happen, you know, not to call close people out, but I don't think yeah. they would care. I've seen it happen to my sisters. You know, they sure. they were 
like die hard at home moms. That was their purpose and they were great at it. And you know, all, all blessings to them, all, 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 um, yeah. credit given to them rather. But yeah, that I, I saw it. I saw them go through that, you know, as their children got older where they're more self, um, sustainable and they don't really need their parents around as much. They had to find purpose again. Yeah. And so you could even say that this derives from like a selfish place inside of myself and it may, but I think it's like a selfish place that like provides some altruism for the people that I care about, which is that like, I'm looking to create generational wealth for my child so and my family because I just I when we talk about I, I do things for like like I said deathbed reasons like I imagine myself knowing like ah fuck I got the ick this is probably it right this is probably the end of the thing and I I I want to leave things and maybe it's just like that weird like fear of death thing that we all sort of have whether we want to admit it or not. I want to leave things behind that will provide love and value when I can't do it physically myself. And well, let let let's talk about that for a second cuz I I'm I'm fascinated by this cuz it's something you and I have talked about candidly privately, but I want to sure. I want to talk about it openly. <laughs> On love line. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, that that's the concept of money and the importance yeah, of, of money. And that though we do this for many, many other reasons than money, look, if if money were the only driving thing, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing at all. Obviously. Obviously. Yeah. But money has to matter to me. I know it matters to you because you and I are, are of the same type of person where we need to feel emancipated from the daily grind of life. And we yep. know a lot of people who just have day jobs and that's great for them, but it doesn't work for you and I. I will yep. self-implode and I will make myself get fired from a place like that. Been there. It's just not in my DNA. Fucking tried it, dude. I, then I tried it again. And then I tried it again after that. And it just doesn't work for me. And instead of feeling bad about myself and continuously wonder what is it about me that just can't do what my dad did or people that I know that are doing that and making that work. They seem happy. They go to work 40 hours a week and they have softball league. Why can't I do that? Mm -hmm. And it just... Well, and they probably are happy too. And that's the thing um, is they are. They are. Yeah. They, they genuinely are. It's just not for me. And I, I think, so when it comes down to money, like, why do you think, why do you think it matters? You, you mentioned accumulating wealth for your family. Like, why, why does that matter? Yeah. And this is a weird distinction to make. I'm talking wealth, not money, which is different. Totally. Yeah. Like, like a money, money burns, right? Yep. And like inflation is going to kill money burns. anyway. Yeah. Don't even get me started. Right. So like, it's not, I don't want money. I want assets. And so when I look at well, well opportunities, said. yeah. When I look at opportunities, I look for, this is my famous, no, infamous, not that famous thing, but um, I always say like, I'm trying to buy the goose, not the eggs. Right. So I like, I, I know like the goose is going to need to be fed and I know I'm going to have to take care of the goose, but if I do, that goose is going to keep laying eggs. So that's why I start companies and that's why I buy real estate. So, okay. Can I talk about the richest man in Babylon, which is a book that my father made me read when I was 15 years old and probably changed my life. Yes, please. So I think it's a, a really good book that most people should read. If you have like a single entrepreneurial bone in your body, it's only like a hundred and something pages. I should read it again soon, honestly. But in the richest man in Babylon, there's a particular story in that book that still resonates with me to this day. And so, I'm going to really like super like summarize this, but basically there's somebody who's aspiring to have uh, abundance and wealth in their life. And they go to the old man on the hill and he's got it all figured out. He's got all the money. He's got all the stuff. And he's trying to learn from this guy. And uh, he said, what you want to do is you want to pay yourself first and you want to save X, 
save at least 10%. Pay yourself first. Your lenders will be okay whenever you pay them. You can sort it out with them. Create a nest egg upon which you can then use and leverage to buy something, to buy, a, let's call it a goose, right? To buy something that will lay eggs. And even if they're small eggs at first, that's still very, very important. That goes into your asset column. So you buy the, you get a goose, right? Mm -hmm. And then, and then you take what you're already doing plus the goose. And next time you buy a slightly bigger goose, right? And again, they don't use goose, whatever. Yeah. And there's this story, and this is why, with the exception of real estate, but this is why the companies that I build are very close to what I know how to do and where my expertise is, is because of this one story in The Richest Man in Babylon. And it's when he goes, he saves the money for a year, and he meets this guy who's going east, and he's going to buy precious gems that, and oh, by the way, this guy's a tablet maker, right? And so he's going to, he, he goes and gives it to this guy. He goes, yeah, man, I'll go. I'm going to East China, probably whatever, right? And I'm going to go get these gems and they're worth way more here because they're very rare here. Gives all his money to the dude. The dude comes back, gives him the gems. He goes, thanks. Guy takes off. He takes the gems to the appraiser and the appraiser says, these are worthless pieces of glass. Mm. And the guy's like, what the fuck? He's like, I just spent a year saving this. Like I got lied to, this sucks. Right. And so he goes to the old guy and he goes, dude, I did what you said. And I gave it to this guy. And now I got glass. Mm. It's not worth anything. And I just blew a year. Yeah. Right. And the guy goes, well, you don't know anything about gems. Right. So why are you buying gems? He's like, you make tablets. Right. So like I've spent my life passionate in the music industry. I know my psychoacoustics are killer. I know mastering. I know computer science. I know music and I know how to communicate. These are the things that I know how to do. And so when I build my businesses, I build my businesses based on the things that I know. I take my nest eggs and I put them into things that make sense that can vertically integrate based on the knowledge that I already have. So that's where Moster comes from, right? Like we have this, um, we have an AI that masters music in minutes and sounds, in my opinion, every bit as good as some of the top mastering engineers in the world. That's because I was able to take things that I had, I nest egged and I took all of this knowledge that I had and I figured out, I remember I was at lunch with you, James, when I had this problem and I couldn't yeah. figure out and I was like talking about Reading it. I had an epiphany at that lunch. Yeah, at the fucking, uh, we we're getting noodles. Yeah. And I went home and I figured it out after that trip. And that's another lesson for just talking things out loud yes, really helps. totally. And so now... Dude, now we have this killer business. We've mastered 30,000 songs for people passively being released. Like, it's crazy. And when I did this, based on the same lessons that I learned from that book that I read when I was 15 about paying yourself first and then investing in yourself in the things that make sense and what you already know how to do. Is that something that you feel like you always had that, that not just a quality, because that, that takes foresight, that takes intelligence, all the things that come with it, but... Do you think you've always been someone that you're just, you're not made for the real world? <laughs> Let's face it. Like <laughs> you and I are not made for the normal, the normal nine to five. Is that something that you've always known about yourself? Uh, probably not. I think it's something maybe I discovered. But what about music? Like what about music? Do you, were you always drawn to music even as a young person? Uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> when I was eight or nine, I, I thought DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince was the best music that had ever been created. Speaking of Nirvana and my love of, of attractive women, when I was a young boy, an upperclassman, Kate Emerson, if you're out there, my whole life is owed to you. She said at a lunch table that I probably wasn't cool enough to be sitting at. And she was like, Nirvana's my favorite band. I was like, 
Okay, I was just I'm putting that in the old brain, and that's in there now. And then that weekend, my mom and I just went to the mall to like pick up like whatever. And she was like, "Why don't you go pick out a tape, right?" And dude, I walked by the end cap. I saw Nevermind, and right away I was like, "Kate Emerson likes Nirvana." Yeah. And then, dude, I grabbed Never. Yeah, I grabbed Nevermind, and then that's when I went from my favorite artist is DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince to Nirvana is my life. Nirvana is my life. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, and that's why I wanted to play guitar, everything, yeah. Well, yeah, that's, you know, girls and, and trying to meet girls has been a driving force for a lot of people over the years. That's like every industry. <laughs> it's everything, yeah. It's hilarious. Yeah. Well, um, something I wanted to, to ask you, obviously, you I mean, you have other things you do. Like you mentioned being a dad and you have other hobbies. I know you grew up skateboarding, as did I. Are you doing other things? Do you have hobbies? And if so, is that important to you to do things outside of work all day? Sort of. My hobbies still have to feel productive, which is weird. No, it's not. I, I struggle with the same thing. It drives my wife crazy. Yeah. So if there's not some like, well, why are we just meeting up with these people? Like, is it, is it to do with something? Am I going to make money? It's not just about money. It's just something productive. It's just like, is it productive? Yeah, yeah. I know. I do the yeah. same thing. It's terrible. I'll say one thing I have, at least for now, that helps me with that is Dean, my son. Yeah, he makes you go to the water park. Well, and then I want to, like, like I want to create these core memories with him. Like, dude, we've been to so many national parks. Yeah. We've driven across the country together. We've been to Australia together. Yeah. Didn't you get a season pass at that water park locally? Yeah. Yeah, we got season passes to the water park. Awesome, so, like, dude. we're there, like, literally three times a week. Yeah, and you love it. It's great. Yeah, and this is going to be the summer where his dad took him to the water park every day. Exactly. You know? And it's just awesome, dude. So, like, that's a double-edged thing where I get to act like, yeah, look at me, recreational Jay. Yeah. I'm so recreational. But the fact of the matter is it's I'm there because I, I have a really high, like, a big priority agenda, which is which is making awesome core memories and being a present father for my son. That's awesome, dude. Thanks. Yeah, and you are. You, you're really great at it. It's It's been really fun to watch. I, I love that you take that seriously because you're right. There's a lot of shitty parents out there, and it... it drives me crazy <laughs> sure i wouldn't recommend having them unless you want them <laughs> it, totally yeah no kidding right like newsflash you don't have to have kids you don't i don't have any kids that's right and you, it's just something you don't have to do and i think back in the day it was like a huge pressure for people to graduate high school and go to college and get married and by the time you're 22 you need to have three children and a steady career it's like good lord Talk about yeah. suicide rates. Jesus Christ. I mean, I can go down the conspiracy rabbit hole. I don't even think it's conspiracy at this point, but it's like the only debt that you can't get out of with bankruptcy is student loans. And before that, like the entire financial institution of America is like founded on fucking mortgage-backed securities. So Scary. it's like, of course they're going to fucking pipeline you into that shit, dude. Of course. It's like, of course they are. So it's like, that's how the government gets funded. So yeah. that's what the narrative is going to be. And so they're going to create some just enough incentives to keep you being a little worker ant and it's fucking terrifying to not be a worker ant dude yeah trust me <laughs> so it it's like yeah it's it's super hard and trust me like like i own three houses dude if you want to get a fucking loan and you're self-employed it's so hard it's so hard it's like so hard yeah it's so hard i know they want two years minimum of self-employed income and that income better be really fucking good or you're not getting that loan. Yeah, exactly. And they like go through every bank statement. So yep. like if any deposit that's more than $2,500, I had to write a literal letter for. It's, it's so stupid. It's insane. It doesn't really encourage entrepreneurial spirit in this country. It's It blows my mind. Yeah, it's crazy. And people making the jobs, right? Yeah. Well, that that's kind of a pivot. To, speaking of school 
college, you know, again, there's there's a theme here of like barrier to entry. Do you think for the for young up and coming producers, mix engineers, I, I know you have a lot of advice for them and mm-hmm. and you give that advice. You're you're a mentor. You do mentorship programs by that's another business that mm-hmm. Jay does. So reach out to him if you want to do that if you're listening. Um what what is your recommendation, I guess generally, but then more specifically, do you do you recommend that people go to audio engineering school still in this day and age? No, not really. Um, I I didn't recommend it for myself in 1998 when I got accepted to Berkeley. I went for a day. Um, and I looked around and I knew that this wasn't going to be, it was going to be a $200,000 bill that wasn't a good fit. Um, yeah. I could start a business with that and did. So, you know, there's a little something weird going on when the people at Berkeley kept telling me one of the best things about Berkeley is all the networking. Mm. And I was like, well, doesn't that, just, doesn't that just make us a bunch of people all scrambling for the same shit and hopefully we make friends with the right guy who maybe catches on? Sure. You know what I mean? I was like, I just didn't know. So, uh, and not to say and that people just, have been to Berkeley no, can't I mean, be it, successful. There's a, but there's a role for it too. And I just, I just think it's changed. I live in Boston, dude. So I know yeah. so many people who went to Berkeley. I know so many people who went to and just overpaid for the education. If you want to talk oh, about yeah. the new way of things and the socialization of information and the real beauty and benefits of that, it's going to be, it's starting to be and will continue to be education. And traditional institutions are going to be in deep shit down the road when people really start to figure out and become successful in alternate forms of education that were far more tailored to what they're looking for, far more curated and far more affordable and just make more sense. So speaking of, that's one of your businesses that you're actively working on right now. That is true. Can you talk about that for a little bit? Yeah, I'll, I'll talk about it. It hasn't launched yet. It's called Fast Track Academy. This is actually the first public thing I've ever done where I do talk about it. Um, I spent my whole day working on it today. I think there's an enormous opportunity, both for those who have the knowledge and the willpower to actually provide a service worth having that can educate people on the things that they know. I think, dude, we're seeing it all over with everything already. It's not going to go away. This is a better form of education, just like we're seeing it with music and just like we're seeing it now with Game Pass, with video games. We saw it with Netflix and we're seeing it with like everything. Education's next. And I think maybe education has been protected because it's been such a gold mine in taxes yeah. and in revenues. So it's a real institution. And, and don't get me wrong. When it comes to hands-on experience, like I don't want my heart surgeon to have an online degree. Of course. Again, back to the gray. This is not a black or white answer, and I, I fully appreciate that. Yeah, but if my but if my engineer or my producer is amazing, I don't care how they got there. Who cares? Yeah, no one cares. Literally, no one cares. People like yourself that hires assistants and people that work at your studio, you don't give a shit. No, we don't care. And I get I've gotten so many emails. I feel so bad from people. It's almost like a red flag. We're like, hey, like I'm graduating such and such audio school. I'll still look at the stuff, but it's like I get it all the time. I get it all the time. Yeah, Hi, the, my name is so-and-so. I'm 22. Yeah. I just graduated from Full Sail or whatever it is. And uh, I, I need a career. Can you provide a career, please? I'm like, wow. Go bust your ass for 10 years. Right. And that's, yeah, go bust your ass. And, that's, and the problem is, is that the reason they're asking, and I feel so bad for these kids, because the reason they're asking is because that's what they were told to do by the institution that took all their money. Yep. It's such a bummer. They said, when you get out of this this college after your... 200k in debt or even if it's a little bit less it's still a lot of money that you're in debt after you graduate here you can hit up management companies you can hit jay moss and studios and they're going to give you a job 
and it's just not the case. <laughs> like, we probably aren't, you know? <laughs> probably aren't. Like, unless, no. I mean, and here's the thing. If you're very, very talented and somehow the only way that you were able to get to be that level of talented is because uh, you went to that school, yeah. okay, maybe. I'm telling you, I just personally have never seen it. I've never once seen it. And so I so I do, I have two things going on. So I have a one-on-one -on -one mentoring program that I do with engineers. Dude, I've taken guys full time. And like, I've got guys who have the jobs that they want now, who got out of the companies they didn't want to be in because we worked together, they developed their product, they learned how to market themselves, they learned how to speak out, they learned how to reach out to other engineers and make emotionally compelling products in their own voice and be confident doing so. Yeah. They now get to do what they want to do for a living. So that's really, really exciting for really me. Really cool. And what I realized with the mentoring program, while it's wildly effective, it's not scalable. I can only help a few people at a time, right? So what we then decided to do with some of my media skills was like, let's build out something. I had a couple partners hit me up who've got great track records in the past. Let's build something out that can help anyone who wants to be helped. When this comes out, there's basically no one who can't afford it. And now everyone will have access to information straight from the source from people who do this full time. And we've got already, we've got a roster of engineers that is going to be on this thing that's wildly impressive. And you're going to learn from the people who make the records that you listen to, not the guy with the man bun yeah. who can't get work on his own. So he works at the school. Exactly. That's right. It's interesting because you are one of a handful of producers slash engineers that I know personally that are doing this, that are talking about this idea and I think, you know, this isn't going to be a land grab. I don't think it's a race to whoever does this first. I think it's just going to be like everything we've talked about today is that it's all happening all at once and the talent will rise. So yeah, totally. the other guy I'm talking to that's talking about doing this, he's going to have a different version of it and you're going to have mm -hmm. your version of it and let the chips fall where they may. And that's just called a competitive market. That's great. Well, dude, that, I, I love hearing that because I, I don't know if you know who Scott Galloway is, but if not, I'll, I'll send you some stuff from him. But his definition of capitalism is like my favorite. Like I love the concept of capitalism as corporate warfare built to compete against one another to create a bed of empathy and education for human beings. So like I love that there's going to be competition because like I'm a competitive guy. Yeah. So it's just fucking let's go, dude. Well, we're going to merge or we're gonna, someone's going to, you know, like let's go. Totally. Totally. It, that is a good thing. There's a reason that Dutch Brothers builds their, their building right next to Starbucks. Totally. You see it all the time. Mm -hmm. Chase Bank right next to Wells Fargo. Home Depot right next to Lowe's. You yeah, see yeah, it all the time. For sure. There's a reason for that. It's a real thing. And uh, we are not outside of those rules in, in this thing that we do. Yeah, no, totally. So... Yeah, I mean, I think that's most of what I have going on. That's awesome. Um, we've got some... I'm going to Belgium here in a couple of weeks. Yes, you are. Very excited. Yeah. Yep, yep going to go work with the yep. band in Belgium. You're going to get a little trip mm -hmm. out of that. Um, that's amazing. You're going to take your mm -hmm. wife, right? And do some... Yeah, so I'm going to go out there, and we're going to do the record, which will be cool. And, like, we're just doing the record. So I'm not going to bring Jesse, my wife, out until we're done. Yep. And so I'm going to be just, like, fully in that record, like, completely enveloped. I'm really excited for that. I'm going to miss... Dean and Jesse like crazy, but I'm just going to work my ass off. That's the only yeah. way I know how to get through it anyway. And then, um, yeah, then I fly Jesse out. So it's going to be her birthday, be like right around that time. So she's, we're going to go to Paris and yeah, it'll be sweet. I'm so glad that worked out. That's, that's really exciting. Yeah, me too. I am too. Thanks for your help. Of course. Of course. <laughs> well, you've, you've done a lot of cool shit as of late. There's a few records I just want to drop real quick. The new Silent Drive yeah. album came our way. Uh, the Darling Fire, who's a really cool, uh, close friends of ours and, Casey from Iodine Records put that out. 
Casey's just the best. He scares me. Mm-hmm. He kind of scares me. He can be both the best and scary. Yeah, I agree. Watch your P's and Q's when you talk to Casey. I love it. I, I want to mention Aria. Aria is an artist that is just doing all of the modern ways of being an artist. <laughs> they're, they're doing all mm-hmm. of the things. You were creative with them in a production standpoint. I know that Nick plays drums with Aria and helps produce and, and songwrite. And, and then you were mastering for Aria. Which led you to like, well, how about I just kind of help you and start managing? And that just organically mm-hmm. happened. Yep. And now it sounds like, um, you know, our shared business partner, Dave Shapiro and the Sound Talent gang, they, they brought mm-hmm. on Aria. Aria's doing a, yeah. a big tour, which is fucking awesome. Yeah, he's doing his first full-length tour. He leaves in about a month. With Rivals. Yeah, with Rivals. Yep, awesome. And uh, we're really excited for that and, and Dragged Under. And yeah, speaking of Silent Drive, this weekend they're doing a show, a sold-out show here in Massachusetts. And they hit me up, and I do guest vocals on the record. So uh, they're having me do guest vocals live. It'll be my first return to the stage oh, cool. since 2015. Yeah, That's rad. Oh, yeah. That's so cool. Um, you said Dragged Unders on that tour too? Yeah, they're headlining. Oh, that's awesome. That's that's another stateside band. Uh, Joseph McQueen worked with them a little while back. Yeah, sick. That makes sense. That's awesome. This is, I mean, I, this is like my favorite thing ever. You know, this is the shit that you and I have talked about for a couple of years now. Yeah. And then once once the partnership went through with STG, these sort of things just organically kept happening. And again, let's go back to the beginning of the conversation. Maybe that would have happened anyway. Maybe you would have picked up this artist named Aria. And you would have started managing them. And then one thing would have led to another. And you would have called your old pal Dave. But it was a lot easier because we're all just doing this together. We all reached out and we all said, hey, this is more fun with someone than it is doing this alone. Yeah. And the, output, the output's greater. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, it's when we talk about building wealth, it's not dollars. Building wealth yes. is like residuals and building wealth is assets and building and, and other types of assets are emotion emotional wealth too, i was just right? gonna like say what's the that. emotional wealth yeah. that we get from helping artists like aria and helping artists like this band i'm working with in belgium and like creating something that's going to we have no idea how deep this will penetrate into people's lives emotionally but i can't think of anything cooler than being a part of that totally and and doing doing stateside for years on my own what had a luxury in its in its own way that I could do it my own way. I didn't have anyone to answer to sure. other than you guys, but but it's lonely. It was really lonely. Right. It's all me. It's all in my head, and and I didn't have anyone else to bounce ideas off, and I didn't have coworkers, I didn't have peers, I didn't have a, a staff and a team. Mm-hmm. So now I do, and it's way way better, <laughs> infinitely better, of course. And and it's the same for you. It's the same for producers. Being a producer. And an engineer is a really lone wolf kind of job. It's all on you, man. And even though you're with a band or you're working with an artist, it's still you. At the end of the day, it's your yep. your vocation, your skill set. And I don't know. I, I I would assume that you would back me in this, that this podcast seems to be that you and I are both recommending to reach out to people and to network, not just to network and not LA. I don't mean LA schmoozy bullshit yeah, right. network. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. really network. 
and actually make friends with people in the industry that you want to work in. Yeah, I know. Network has such a weird, like, kind of, like, slimy connotation now. But I think, like, yeah. develop develop real fucking relationships. Real. Yeah. Yep. No shit, man. Like, yep. I, I, I'm yep. rooting for you personally as much as I am for, yeah. professionally. Likewise. Yeah. Dude, it's the, it's the best. It is the best thing ever. And at the end of the day, like, you know, you mentioned assets. I mean, having friends and colleagues and people that you can turn to is asset building in itself mm -hmm. absolutely the most important absolutely well i think we did it i think we did a podcast nice we officially did <laughs> we did a podcast again a couple years later yeah what a wild journey it's been pretty cool yeah it's been awesome it's just i think we're just getting started truthfully oh my god yeah there's a lot of things <laughs> i don't want to say on air it's pretty yeah. exciting well, dude, I love you, man. You're the best. Love you too, buddy. Oh, you're the best. <laughs> you're the best. Where can people find you and all that cool shit? jmoss.com. Definitely, even if you're skeptical and think I'm ruining mastering, check out master.io because you're wrong. Because you're it's wrong. It's M-A-A-S-T-R.io. I think you'll really love it. Let's see. Pretty soon you'll be able to find me Fast Track Academy. That doesn't exist yet. Yeah, find me online. I'm on Instagram, J underscore Moss, whatever. Yeah, I, I will back that that Jay is very approachable. I've just never seen you reject people. You're always a kind, professional person to people. Thanks. And you get hit up a lot, but you also respond a lot. Yeah, so don't feel like you can't hit not just Jay up, but anyone that you look up to. You know, people are more approachable than you might think. And uh, just yeah. just be sincere. Keep your message short. That's that's a good tip if you're if you're reaching out to say you're in a band and you're looking yeah. you know looking for management or a and r for a label just be be short and to the point be respectful move on yeah don't nobody like a wall of text yeah that's right mm -mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't do that all right dude well uh thanks for being on the show and we'll let these people go finally and uh, i love you man we'll talk soon love you too man cool Hey, this is Aaron from No Simple Road. I'm inviting you to come hang out with Apple, Mel, and I as we talk with the musicians, artists, chefs, authors, and beyond from the world that turns us on. We're reaching into the improvisational music scene, the psychedelic culture, the festival world, and getting to know what makes the people tick that create those scenes. Come join us on the long, strange trip over at No Simple Road.